Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Well, it is a warm welcome back to our consumer journalist, Wendy Nola, with us in a studio in Durban today, where she is standing by to talk to us about those dreaded phone calls from salespeople and debt collectors. They drive us all nuts. We're going to find out today what they can and cannot legally do and what our rights are when we're engaging with them. And just a reminder that after half past one, it's an open line where you can phone in on absolutely any consumer relationship topic on 021-446-0567. Wendy, great to have you with us as always. Hi, Pippa. I hope the logistics are working out today. So we're hearing you loud and clear, so let's hope that oh, continues good. to be the case. Wendy, before we get to the, the calling issue, I know there is a follow-up on last week's show about WASP subscriptions, and in particular Gareth's experience of being unwittingly subscribed to the soccer TV service via his network MTN. Did you get any feedback? Yes. Yes, remember he said he, he didn't he doesn't doesn't even watch soccer. He doesn't know, doesn't know how it happened when he queried it with MTN. He was just told, well, we can't help you. We we only have this number code for the for the wasp, and that was that. So I did actually get a response from um, MTN in the form of um, their corporate affairs executive Jackie O'Sullivan that day, and she said yeah. that it appeared that Gareth may have clicked on a banner linked to a bot which mimics the behaviour of the customer and approves the. Op- in and double opt-in requests York. without the customer knowing. Remember we discussed how you're supposed to get a, an, an opt-in from WASPA, the um, association, as well as from your network saying, do, did you, do you approve this subscription to whatever service at X amount per day or per week? And he said, I yeah. didn't get that. And a lot of others have said the same thing. And now we know what's going on. He, she said, thus the customer was subscribed as the system picked up the opt-in and double opt-in event as if the customer had consented to it. So I don't know about you, but I found that very scary indeed. It's very um, scary. And the yeah. networks know it's happening. So what are they doing to protect their customers from this, Wendy? Okay. In MTN's case, they say, Jackie said they were introducing um, at the moment a lot of um, ways to monitor and protect consumers from what she called these unscrupulent, fraudulent, unscrupulous, sorry, fraudulent subscriptions. So they include enabling, enabling subscribers to limit the amount of airtime that they want to be spend on, spent on these so-called value-added services every month. So you can say, I only want to spend 20 rand or whatever, no more than that. Yeah. That's the cap. Implementing um, a functionality that was um, set up by ACASA that blocks all charges requested by premium-rated services and content services. So that's what a lot of people, I think, will be loving the sound of, um, Mm. so that you can just say, listen, I want that block on everything implemented, please. And then also, um, this is already in place, but it sounds like they're simplifying it, implementing clear and simplified short codes that we as subscribers can then just, um, on, on our own, um, send off in order to unsubscribe to any content services that happen so it'll to be a, a do-it-yourself fix in other words a DIY fix exactly and then she said also adding fraud protection on all banners promoting these services so in other words I, I would imagine um, making it um, more obvious to consumers um, what the risks around that are so all good news um, it, it's, it's none of which helped Gareth but let's hope going forward um, consumers will start seeing the benefit of all of that Absolutely. Thanks for that update. We are actually going to stay with phones for our topic today and talk about the unwanted phone calls that come in on both the landlines and the cell phones, Wendy. Over to you. 
Okay, so whatever you call it, spam, cold calling, telemarketing, uh, very few people that I've come across enjoy being on the receiving end of it, whatever the direct marketers like to tell themselves. (laughs) Some people simply can't say no to the imploring, insistent voice and end up agreeing to something they don't want or can't afford. And others commit to a product or service without realizing that they've even done so, just by saying yes Mm. in the right place. A lot of us say, and I'm one of these, no thanks, I'm not interested. As soon as we hear that familiar reading from a sales script, stilted uh, delivery. Oh, it's a dead giveaway, isn't it? (laughs) It's a dead giveaway. There's just, yeah, very few of them actually manage to sound like they're not reading from a script. But the big question is this. Why do we have to put up with those calls and the emails and the SMSs and all the other forms of uh, direct marketing, especially uh, uh, unwanted uh, direct marketing, unsolicited, uh, probably that's the word, especially since the Consumer Protection Act gives consumers the right to preemptively stop companies from contacting them in the first place by registering their details with a do not contact type national registry, which was to be commissioned by the National Consumer Commission, that's in the Act. But sadly, seven and a half years later, there is no such national registry that we can um, put our details on to stop everything. Um, It's never been set up, and it probably never will be for reasons Mm. that are too complicated to go into here. But what we do have is the Do Not Contact or Opt-Out Registry, which is run by the Direct Marketing Association of South Africa, the DMA. Um, But it's an industry-run initiative. And it's not compulsory for companies which engage in direct marketing to be a member of, of the DMA. So that's which is the, the problem. Yeah, because yeah, so if someone do, isn't a member, responsibly will will, yes. will, will, will will join that. But the ones who don't do it responsibly aren't going to join the DMA anyway. No. And for there's the no record, sanction. Though, let's give our listeners the address for those who do want <clears throat> to at least sure. sign up on that do not contact registry. Okay. How do we do it? And hundreds of thousands have already. It's www.nationaloptout.org. Quite simple. www.nationaloptout one word, dot org, and as the DMA says on the site, if you go to that um, link, this mm. helps you to make sure your address, email address, telephone, and cell number are no longer available to organisations who are members of the DMA. That's the RADA, who want to make offers and send information that you do not wish to receive. You can also do this by contacting companies directly and asking them not to contact you. The key word in that is, is, is helps. It helps you make sure that your um, details aren't available to organizations because, of course, it can only stop uh, DMA members from spamming you, as we keep saying. And there are many yeah. direct marketers and their third-party spam senders who choose not to belong to the DMA. Um, so right so now, the short you can't. There isn't one legal mechanism that you can use to block all spam, as we sit here chatting today, Papa. Okay. Wendy, what about the Protection of Personal Information Act, POPI as it's commonly known? Isn't that yeah. meant to protect us against this kind of intrusion? Yes, indeed. That piece of legislation does give us a lot more power to resist spam than the CPA does. It goes a step further in that it requires direct marketers to get our permission to be spammed before they send their first email or make that first call to our cell phones. But it was passed, you know, it was passed by Parliament uh, quite a, a while back was poppy, but it has yet to be, yet to be implemented for whatever mm. reason. But in the meantime, the CPA does state that we do have the right to ask a company to stop contacting us for the purpose of, of selling us stuff. And if they continue after we've told them to stop, they are literally breaking the law, the CPA. But sadly, that doesn't stop a lot of them. 
Um, so I'd, I advise people to just name and shame them on social media, and a lot of people do just that. Well, Anonymous on the SMS line has got an even better response, Wendy. Uh, Anonymous says, keep a rugby rep's whistle on your desk and blow it into the phone whenever yes. an unsolicited call comes you, through. You won't you go have away. Heard, you have heard <laughs> me suggest that to people who are getting calls from those that fake directories uh, crowd. But, yes, I, I would say you, you should... Ethically do that after a warning first. So listen, if you, yes, fo- if you, time if you phone me again, I, you are going to get the sharp end of my whistle <laughs> blown into your ear and then do it if they persist. But yes, it's an old, older school but quite effective deterrent. Um, of course, it only works if there's an actual person on the end of the line, Wendy. And as, as irritating as, as the telemarketing calls are, the automated versions even worse. Yes, it's, they're called robocalls, and it's for me and everybody that I know has ever got one. It's next level infuriating, and I, I honestly don't understand what the point is because it's hard to imagine anyone being willing to give the, a company the time of day after experiencing such robotic rudeness, let alone give them your business. Um, and the even worse scenario, I don't know if this has happened to you, but when you miss the call and you get and you see a missed call and you think, well, it could be business-related or whatever, and you phone, and then you get the recording that you're now paying yeah. for. <laughs> That's just beyond the pale. Anyway, we do have some techie ammunition, though, against this automatic onslaught. Um, smartphones allow you to block incoming calls from specific numbers or from all unknown numbers using a reject calls or block contact setting, which is available in our phone setting. So that's a little bit of um, ammo that we can use if we, f- if we f- feel inclined. Okay, now Wendy has put together a guide on, on how to block, uh, uh, block and reject calls if you don't mm. know how to do that on your phone. She has put together a step-by-step explanation for both iPhones and Android, and we're going to publish that on the Cape Talk website. So if you want to know how to do that, please just log on to capetalk.co.za after the show today. On the right-hand side of the page, you'll see the link to the Consumer Affairs page. It's about the second or third item in that column. And uh, just click on that. It'll take you to the page, and we will post that explanation after the show today today. Wendy, also a reminder, there's a great app that you can use to help you. It's not infallible, yes. but True Caller will help you mm. um, keep some of the incoming spam away, and it doesn't cost you anything. No, it's a, it's a free download, and it warns, warns you about incoming spam and robocalls and gives you the option to block them, which is very empowering. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. So True Caller is the name of that app. True Caller. It's free of charge to download. And then Sandy and a few others asked me to please repeat that address if you want to put your name onto the National Opt Out Register. Sandy, it is nationalopt-out.org. As simple as that. Nationalopt-out.org. Okay, so Wendy, it's bad enough getting these phone calls at all. Um, and the most irritating thing, though, is when they come in at inconvenient times. Yes. Or, you know, waking you up from that weekend lie-in or late at night when you were already going to sleep. Are there any regulations that actually say when telemarketers are legally allowed to give you a call? Yeah, absolutely. Also part of the CPA. Um, so they are only allowed to call you between 8 a.m. and um, 8 p.m. on weekdays. From 9 o'clock in the morning till 1 o'clock on Saturdays and not at all on Sundays and public holidays. But that's only for okay. sales calls. So if the call is from a debt collector, so they're not trying to sell you anything, they're trying to get money out of you, the opposite mm. direction, they are allowed more leeway in terms of another law, the, um, um, I can't remember the name of the act, the, um, it'll come to me in a second, um, 
But uh, you've had some experience of this, Pippa. I have, unfortunately, and it was quite recent too. In late July, it was a Saturday morning. I was sound asleep. It was my one morning that week where I was going to be able to sleep in and not have to rush off to work or do a school lift. And my yeah, phone rang just after 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Now, Wendy, the person on the other end didn't initially identify themselves. Uh, they first asked to speak to an employee of mine, and I said that person's not here. They're only here Monday to Friday. And I asked, who are you to be phoning at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning? Um, I'll, I'll confess I was not that polite in the way I phrased Understandably. it. Understandably. Um, I was only just waking up. <laughs> um, but I had to ask about two or three times before they finally grudgingly said, oh, we're phoning from home choice. And then I sort of said, well, what are you phoning for? This is surely out of line to make a call so early on the weekend and didn't really get any answer. And Wendy, I then asked you, is it okay for them to do that? Is it legal for them to phone me that early in the morning? And you actually asked Home Choice for a response. Yeah, because I knew that it wasn't. Seven o'clock is far too early. They can only phone after nine on a Saturday. So I got hold of Home Choice. They made some inquiries with their telemarketing manager, and um, which confirmed what I've just said. Their switchboard only opens at nine on a Saturday. And she said, uh, and this home choice person said that meant that nobody could have made that call to you at 7 o'clock in the morning. We then suspected it might have been a debt collection call. And Wendy, then I learned that those calls can come in as early as 6 o'clock in the morning, even on a weekend. Even on a Saturday, not not on a Sunday at all, but on a Saturday, yes, I'm afraid. So debt collectors may legally call alleged debtors, and I say alleged because sometimes it's not a le- there isn't a legitimate debt, um, from 6 in the morning up to 9 o'clock at night on weekdays and Saturdays. But um, for me, that still doesn't explain why Home Choice or perhaps their third-party collecting agent was calling a work number on a weekend and not contacting the debtor on their cell phone. Um, I asked this question, but I got no response. After a very long silence of well, many weeks, this week Home Choice asked for your contact details, Pippa, so perhaps you'll be getting another call following Just up, hopefully want, not early in the call. morning on a Saturday. <laughs> well, hopefully True Caller will block it if it comes in on my cell phone this yeah, time. Indeed. Okay. Interesting comment here from Leslie on our SMS line saying, three days ago I got a message saying, um, my f- sorry, sorry, I'm reading the wrong message. Here it is. I received a call last week out of the blue. Apologies there, Leslie. Uh, wanting to set up an appointment to see a discovery advisor, and I have no link to discovery, no products with them at all. When I asked how they got my details, the response was that we got them from a poppy-approved data vendor. And when I pushed further, they sort of stumbled a bit and said, I can contact a company called Noblet. I've no idea who they are or how they have no, my details. How could that be, asks Leslie. Well, we all our names are on data, databases for marketing marketing purposes. My tongue, marketing purposes, all over the place. So, as I said earlier, what what we can do? No, there's nothing stopping them making that first call. What if you say do do not contact me again? Then it becomes illegal if they do it. When Poppy eventually becomes um, effective, it gets put into action. Then, then they may not make even that first call in the absence of you indicating your consent in some form to to receiving uh, a marketing call. So there's a slight difference there, but at the moment, that annoying as it is, you can get that first call and then you have the the right to say no, and then at that point they must legally desist. Honor that request. Honor the request, exactly. Okay. Jean asking, I, I know it's possible to block calls on a cell phone, but is there any way to block numbers or block spam calls on a telecom landline? Is there, as far as you know, Wendy? Gosh, um, not that I know of. Not that I know of. We don't have quite the same sophisticated uh, technology. I don't know. On a domestic line, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not the most techie person. I, I don't. I don't think so. 
Okay, Unless well, you, I, I mean, most of us wouldn't listening. have caller line. Only, um, uh, this is Cape Talk. Of course, there'll be a techie listening. He's going to tell us exactly what <laughs> to do. If somebody knows the that. answer, even if it's a no, you can't. But if there is a way to block numbers <laughs> on a telecom line, please just drop me an SMS to 31567 or an email to pippah at capetalk.co.za. Reminder that after half past one, we move into the open line section of the show. I'm happy to carry on talking a little bit about debt collectors and what our rights are there if, if uh, while we wait for those first calls to come through. But just a reminder that if you got any consumer query for Wendy, you can call us now on 021-446-0567 or leave your question as a voice note on 072-567-1567. Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. You can join the conversation. It's a conversation that is literally crossing the country today. Wendy's with us from a studio in Durban. We're coming to you live from the MediClinic corporate office in Stellenbosch, where we are hope- helping the MediClinic group to celebrate Heart and Stroke Awareness Month. Just a reminder that after 2 o'clock for the entire second hour of the show today, we're going to be focused on heart health, and uh, you'll be able to ask questions in the final half hour around your own heart and stroke awareness. Uh, before we do that, though, we've got another half hour of consumer talk. It's open line time. You can phone in on any consumer issue on 02. Two one four four six zero five six seven. Remember, you can also leave a voice note on zero seven two five six seven one five six seven. Before we go to the lines to say hello to Jocelyn, a few more. Um questions coming in around the wasp topic from last week wendy megan pineland saying a couple of days ago i got a message saying that my free day was up and from now on three rand fifty a day would be deducted for fantasy football and to opt out <laughs> it gave me a number etc which i did but i have still had the three rand fifty a day deducted what do i do now the answer is she must go to her her service provider is it not yes she must absolutely um if she can prove that she stopped it they must absolutely um, step in and stop it for her. And then, no, I really encourage people to push the issue and, and, and insist on getting a refund. It's fraud. If they didn't authorize it and they were charged, then she canceled. Then they still charged her. No, no definitely um, don't take no for an answer from, from the networks. They don't forget to get a cut on every one of these um, subscriptions. Yeah. And... Um, a handsome one at that, and and absolutely not, they must um, help her. Number one, stop it, and number two, get back any um, unauthorized deductions. Good luck to you, Meg. And if you don't get anywhere with your attempt to do that, let us know, please. Please. Uh, somebody else asking, is there any risk in clicking on those irritating SMS messages trying to sell you things, the ones that say opt out via reply? I'm always worried that by SMSing back, I'm actually getting hooked into their sales database. Yes, there is that, but I think that um, causes a lot of people to ignore those those um, SMSs, and and in so doing, remain subscribed. So I would, what I would do is take a screen grab of that thing saying, press, you know, click here, opt out, so that you can prove afterwards that's what I was prompted and that's what I did. And so there's, it, can't, it can't be construed that I, you know, chose to be. Um, opted in or whatever, and yes. then you've got some evidence to take up with your with your network if it continues. Okay, there is also you'll see the information on last week's under last week's show. Of course, um, Wasper is the regulatory body, and um, you are encouraged to complain to them as well because, as I say, they regulate and have the ability to hold disciplinary hearings and find the transgressors, transgressors etc. 
Okay, thank you. Thank you too to Mike making a suggestion that we all do as he does. His response to telemarketers is to say, please hold, and that he doesn't hang up. He puts the phone on the desk <laughs> and he says eventually they will give up. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much for your WhatsApp. Let's go to the lines. Reminder, it's open line time. You can call in on any consumer issue. We have Jocelyn on the line right now. Jocelyn, good afternoon. Hi, um, Pippa and Wendy. Um, I've, I've just read an article in a very popular um, magazine, which I find quite disturbing. Um, there, there, there's an article about six Gmail updates. And in one of the points, um, it says that there's now Gmail has, um, I don't know what you call it, a setting or a mode where you can, um, if you're the sender, you can make the email that you're sending to the recipient disappear out of their box within a certain time frame. Um, that's the one thing. And the other thing that's more worrying is that um, you can actually use a function that the recipient won't be able to either forward, print the email, or copy and paste its contents. Now, that Gosh. means that someone can harass you and you have absolutely no proof whatsoever other than, for what I can see, taking a, a, a photograph. May I ask, Jocelyn, yeah, which, which, uh, yes. who did that magazine quote as the authority on um, that information? See, it says the sources are cnet.com, tech.co, and howtogeek.com. Okay, but it's quite well, a um, a magazine. Okay, um, I don't know about you, Papa, but that's news to me. As I say, I'm not me the too. most techie person in the in the room ever. So if we do have some listeners who are able to shed some light on that, and if not, I am most certainly going to investigate that. Um, that's Jocelyn today because that is potentially huge implications. As Jocelyn said, it, it obviously it opens the door. It, it also For takes all sorts away of your manipulation. To prove, yes, there, there's yes. so many question marks around that. So, Jocelyn, thanks for raising it. We'll do a bit of homework. If anybody listening um, can give us some input on that and give us an informed perspective, please do drop me an email to pippah at capetalk.co.za so that we can help follow up on that one. I do want to take the gap, Wendy, to share a customer service story that Carol emailed to me within the last okay. week or two because it's one of these great stories that we seldom get of somebody who started out with a problem and it was so well handled in the end that it turned them into a customer for life. And I know we love those kind of stories. We do. And what's even more funny about it is it's about um, a dry cleaner. And every time we talk about dry cleaners, Wendy, it's to do with complaints. So it's quite nice to have one. Yes, I don't think I've ever in 20 years of consumer journalism had a good one, I must say. Well, here's your first then, because Carol uh, mailed me to say... Her daughter was going to be a bridesmaid at a wedding, and she was asked to wear one of her own existing dresses because they were trying to keep the budget uh, limited um, mm-hmm. as long as it met the color scheme of green. And she had a green dress, and she decided she'd get it dry clean, nice and beautiful for the big day. So they dropped it off at Fresh Laundry, which is in the Palmyra Junction Center here in Cape Town, to be dry cleaned. And they were told it will be ready. You can pick it up on the Friday. The wedding was on the Saturday. It will definitely be ready by the Friday. And they went on the Friday, and it wasn't ready. They went on the Saturday morning, and it wasn't ready. And in short, there was no way to get that dress in time for the wedding. And Carol was absolutely livid because it meant rushing off to the shops, A, to go and spend on something they hadn't Mm. meant to spend on, and B, it was really difficult for them because their daughter was actually recovering from foot surgery. 
surgery, so she wasn't particularly mobile. No. So that's the bad part of the story. But this is where it gets interesting. Carol asked to speak to the owner or manager of that business, and she got somebody called Katya on the line, and she says it changed the entire experience. She says Katya's response was what was so amazing. Not once did she duck and dive or try and explain anything away or make excuses. She accepted responsibility for the error on their side. She waived the dry cleaning costs and offered to pay for a suitable dress if we could find a replacement. I was so impressed, especially because customer service is often so poor and unaccountable. I would like to thank her publicly via your show. How's that for taking a customer's no, dreadful that is experience and it? Does she say whether she took up the offer of the purchase of the dress or not? She doesn't, actually. And I think, actually, actually, um, I I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't because it sounds to me it was just the sheer offer of it. And the yes. offer, the well, fact that's that Katya was willing to concede, that, that made mm. all the difference for her. Yeah. So all customer service experts the world over will tell you that there is such um, opportunity in a problem like that um, for learning your, your, where you need to improve in your business and for turning a negative into a complete wow experience. And that's as good as they come. Very refreshing, excuse the pun, of fresh laundry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And really, when you think of the cost of that versus the goodwill, whether she wasn't doing it to get publicity clearly, but there's always people are it's so extraordinary that obviously it would go on at least social media and be spoken about. So it's actually a marketing exercise, and that's what all companies could actually learn from is to turn those experiences, not just think of a denting your profit, but think think of it as part of your marketing expense in in mm. in, in, in choosing to invest in turning a, a really bad situation into a positive and not to worry too much within reason about the cost of it because it's priceless that kind of turnaround absolutely yeah and of course they're going to get great word of mouth out of carol um, and so they should uh, in the long term yeah so carol thanks for taking the time to send that email katya well done for handling the situation so well and michael thank you for your email absolutely the voice of reason reminding us that as much as we all agree that these telemarketers and their calls are the bane of our existence the people making those calls are also just people trying to earn a living so as much as we want the calls to end as quickly as possible michael believes we still need to be polite in doing so which i I think is a fair point, Michael. Thanks so much. It is fair. And it. also, as someone who has children who've left school, sort of about the age of some of these um, younger tele, uh, telemarketers, people manning these call centers, they're very young, and that's also part of the problem. The churn is high, and they don't have you know, enough life experience sometimes to handle... And, you know, every, every kind of consumer that you're going to get, you know, um, mm. receiving those calls. So... I've become a little bit more tolerant. I mean, as I say, I, I shut them down a lot, but often just for um, work experience, um, as I, I will let them hear what they hear them out, see what they're selling, see if they're ticking all the boxes and doing the right thing. And you can hear they're very young, and so yes, a little bit of compassion goes a long way. But I, you know, I do certainly blame their bosses for some of the stuff that's in the scripts that they are forced to read. <laughs> Absolutely, hire a better copywriter is the solution. Yes, uh, Michael, thanks so much for your email. Happy to take some more calls on o two one four four six o five six seven. They don't have to be linked to telemarketing and debt collection. You can phone in on any consumer issue. Uh, right now what uh, what what somebody has done in the whatsapp is ask a question that really harks back to our water crisis in cape town wendy saying the virgin active gyms in the western cape no longer offer sauna facilities because of the drought but our premium was not reduced um to to compensate for the lack of that facility is that legal my my gut feel on that one is that um 
in circumstances where companies can argue that um, the service, their service delivery was hampered uh, because of um, factors beyond their control, such as a massive storm um, blowing the air bridges away at the airport or kind of that kind of thing, mm. um, you can't then sort of jump up and down and demand compensation because there's, there's nothing that they could do differently. And I think those companies um, operating that were affected by the drought in terms of their water use may be able to argue just that. Um, of course, the bigger story on, on, on what we're paying in gym subscriptions is that most, I, I don't know the, um, the figure, but a very, very large percentage of people who pay gym subscriptions on a contract do not derive any benefit at all because they just don't go to the gym at all. Yeah. <laughs> but that's another issue. <laughs> that's the, 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 the model of gym, gym financing, the business model is a very interesting one because of that factor. But it's I understand that it's a, it's a, it's a human response to think, but why is it my sub reducing? Because I used to sauna every time I went to the gym and now I don't and I'm still paying the same. It is a very understandable response. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah. And uh, no doubt Dr. Garen, Darren Green will make the case for using that gym membership when we chat to him after half past two about heart health. Yes. Um, but uh, I must just say, Pippa, what? I am going to mm. send an email off to to um, Virgin Active and just see how they justify that so we can share it with the readers just to okay. put it out there on the record. W- worth, worth dropping them a line. Okay, let, let's do yes. that. Uh, WhatsApp asking, are call centers allowed to charge the call they make to you for collecting an outstanding debt? I've been told you are paying for this phone call. Yes, absolutely. It's a fee that is payable um, by the person on on the receiving end. Um, I would, if I was legitimately owed a debt and I was battling to pay it and getting the calls, I would certainly make a note of every single time I got a call because often there have been many cases of the debt collecting company just sort of thumb-sucking, adding on um, extra calls. And I must just add, if, if you... If your company, if you don't pay a company and it hands you over to debt collectors, you better hope that it's a debt collector as in a debt collecting firm and not a firm of attorneys who specialize in debt collecting because the one is very much um, uh, controlled and regulated by um, the Council for Debt Collectors and the Code of Conduct, Conduct and all the fees for phone calls and everything else are very clearly set down, maximums that they may not charge more than. With the attorneys, it's open season. They are not regulated yeah. currently by anyone. And so if you get handed over to a firm of attorneys, your costs are going to be so much higher. And that's why there are moves afoot right now in an amendment bill that's going to go before Parliament to include the debt collecting attorneys in that regulation so that they are oh, um, similarly regulated news. and they can't charge whatever they feel like it. Yes. Okay, yeah. great. While we're chatting and while we wait for our next call to come through on 021 Wendy, won't you just run us through our rights if we are collect, uh, contacted by a debt collector demanding payment? What are the basic rights we need to know that we have? Okay, there's a, the Code of um, Conduct. Um, which falls under the Council for Debt Collectors. If anyone wants to Google it, it makes for extremely interesting reading. And it's very long in detail. But in short, you have the right to obtain legal advice before signing anything, especially an acknowledgement of debt. So never be, never be um, that follows a phone call, but never feel pressurized to sign on the mo- in the moment you, um, because you will regret it most likely. Um, 
You have the right to be treated with dignity at all times and to confidentiality. So they can't embarrass you at your workplace or phone relatives and that kind of thing in order to humiliate you, you know, if you've been keeping your debt issue, as most people secret, will, yeah. you know, conf- secret. And they, they may not resort to those really dodgy tactics. They can't contact you, as we've said before, before 6 in the morning or after 9 at night, and they may not con- contact you at at any time on a Sunday so they can't harass, we've said this uh, humiliate, embarrass you or threaten you none of that old break your kneecaps kind of stuff that's definitely not allowed Um, and this is very important a lot of people don't do this and and they just receive these calls these demands and with no documentary um, backup I mean where else would you have someone demand money from you and refuse to show you an invoice or or a breakdown of how they arrived at that at, uh, of that figure. So from the first call, you must always ask for how did how was that figure arrived at? What was the handover amount? When was it handed over? And I want to see all the interests and costs that have been added to that since. Always ask that question. And you must once you've started paying, um, you you can you have the legal right to request one free statement every six months. And after that, you know, in between, you'd have to be made to pay and always find out what that will cost. But at least two a year, every six six months apart must be provided to you free of charge. And okay. then most important, and I've done whole shows on this in the past, if the debt that they're asking, if you get a call out of the blue or an, or an email, if they ask you to pay a debt that's been dormant, in other words, you haven't made a payment in the previous three years, you haven't acknowledged the debt at, in any way in the previous three years, and you haven't received a summons asking you to pay it, that debt is prescribed. You must tell the debt collector the debt's prescribed. I, don't, I no longer... Uh, I'm required to pay it, and they should back off at that point. Okay, thanks for for running us through those. And again, uh, there is a a, a body that you can turn to if you feel that those rights have been infringed upon. It is the Council for Debt Collectors, uh, cfdc.org.za. We've got a question that's come through as a voice note. Let's take a listen to that. Good afternoon, Papa. Ryan here. We've made substantial changes to our garden. No, sorry, okay, we seem to be having a problem with the voice note there, so let's go rather to the lines and say hello to Michael in Cape Town. Michael, good afternoon. Hi, Papa, Wendy, how are you guys doing? Well, good, Michael, yourself, thank Michael. you. Um, we own a Peugeot, um, and for the last three months our car has been standing. Uh, we're paying, obviously, the bank off, um, the car's finance, and uh, we've been waiting three months for a part from Peugeot South Africa, and we're not getting any joy from these guys. What legal grounds have I got to, to take these guys on? Because I'm, I know I'm not the only one. If you just go to Peugeot's Facebook page, there's just a whole lot of people complaining. Um, can I ask, Ryan, how old, when did you buy the car? Okay, it is a second-hand car, so 2012, it is under warranty, and they, they keep telling me that it's without a warranty, and uh, they're unable to assist with the car, but the point is that we we paying we paying this car as uh, the finance, and, and you're insuring it no doubt. That's insured. That's everything. We're paying everything, and okay. the car is standing. This is a, um, a common complaint and a very leg- legitimate one for reasons you've just explained, Ryan. Um, so it's Michael. And I, I, Mike. Sorry, Michael. Mike. Sorry, Ryan. Ryan was the voice clip that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> 
I recently did a little phone around to some of the um, manufacturers to ask, because I had a case just like this, another brand, to ask what they considered to be um, a, a reasonable time for a consumer to be kept waiting for a part in order to get their car on the road again. And the answers were very interesting. But I can tell you, and I'll try and get that maybe post it on the site but um, three months is definitely unacceptable what I can suggest to you at this point is and please email me and I'll take up the case with the manufacturer and see if we can't get that moving a bit faster and then to examine the bigger picture of was this um, was this an, an, an unusual case or as you were suggesting the norm um, with this brand and, and explore that a bit more. So if you could email okay, me, so right? Uh, uh, sorry, Michael. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> what you need to do is, is send a mail to Wendy at consumer at nola.co.za. It's spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. She knows a lot about consumer affairs. Consumer at <laughs> nola.co.za. Michael, please just put in the subject line Cape Talk. Peugeot, um, and, and she will keep an eye out for that and, and investigate on your behalf, and then hopefully we can give some feedback um, uh, next week if possible. Um, you can also contact Wendy, by the way, via her Facebook page, which is Wendy Nola Consumer. There are uh, links to click on there to get you in contact with her. Just a reminder, please, Wendy can't take up every single case that is laid before her door because she would be working 365, 24-7, and then a couple of extra days as well. But we really do try our best to help follow up on those stories, particularly ones which have broad relevance so uh, Michael we'll keep an eye out for your email thanks let's try again to listen to that voice note Hi, my question for Wendy is if you conclude a online subscription with a company that runs for example from the US and their terms and conditions provide for a two-month cancellation period is the Consumer Protection Act still applicable that's an interesting one. So if the deal Isn't is that with a company that's outside South Africa, does no, the CPA apply? No, it doesn't. They need to be based in South Africa, as far as I'm aware. Okay. And two months is quite onerous. It should be the CPA states 30 days, um, well, 20 business days, which is effectively a, a month, um, written notice. So that's one of the dangers of this sort of um, global marketplace that we're in now, um, where our computers give us access to companies based elsewhere um yeah. so yeah this is the risk that you do run this is the risk of sitting with a case where somebody bought a cell phone in, an, in another country and there's no the warranty doesn't apply here and he's jumping up and down because the company that has the um authority to repair the brand in this country is not being particularly interested in his case mm. and rightly so and that that's one of the one of the many downsides so you have to sort of weigh everything up before you you choose to um, sign such contracts or buy such products outside of South Africa okay thanks for that uh, right uh, on Twitter this is an interesting one uh, linking to telecom and Wendy I want to ask a question about cancellations after I've read the tweet Mariam tweeting that weeks after I switched from with telecom switched to fiber so I had ADSL switched to fiber with telecom I'm still getting weekly calls from them trying to promote their fiber service the comment uh. is that the right doesn't know what the left hand is doing then the company that she's already signed up with is voting trying to sell her a product that she's already effectively bought oh my it makes me think of all those issues with the telecom line cancellations, Wendy, as a matter of interest, has, has that flood of complaints died down now that the system has it's, moved online? It's, it's died down a little, but I would say nothing that, that we could get excited about. It's still a very um, strong feature in my inbox. As I came to the studio here in Durban to do the show, 
um, somebody who works in the office just said, oh, please, could you help me? I've taken out this ADSL line contract, and it was supposed to come with a backup dongle and, and, and whatever, and that part hasn't been delivered, and I, it's two months now, and I'm still paying. I don't have a choice. I have no other service available in the area that I live. What can I do? And he, it is a case of exactly the departments. It's a classic case of a corporate with departments working in silos where he's yeah. speaking to the Twitter Telcom's Twitter team DMing them. They're saying we're trying to get hold of the store, the Telcom store, and we can't. We don't know what's happening. And two months have gone down the line, have gone, and he's still sitting with half of what he was promised. And this is a typical thing with Telcom, um, not just Telcom, but I see it in my inbox where there are these silos and the d- different departments aren't communicating effectively with each other. Unfortunately, okay, so the sales yeah. team are not talking to the to the. Um, the people who have actually supplied the product, um, yeah. which is, yeah, unfortunate. Okay. Well, let's stay with phone issues. There's a question in from someone saying, I recently started a new cell phone contract with an iPhone, but within two weeks the phone started giving me issues. I couldn't get signal anywhere. Telcom only provides a refund if the phone is faulty within one week of starting the contract. They have agreed to send it for repairs, and that's going to take two weeks. Do I have any recourse? Yes, I could scream. This mm. business of the one week is a throwback to pre-CPA, where all companies automatically wanted to repair everything. With, that was their sole recourse. If, if they, something went wrong, as with this iPhone, and then they would say as a special little sweetener, but if it went wrong in the first week, then we will replace or whatever. It has no basis in law now. The CPA trumps every other um, um, internal policy and the telephone companies are the worst offenders here. That phone is less than six months old. It is defective. She now has the right to have a, re- a repair. If it's under contract, um, there's the, um, a refund wouldn't work because she's paying the phone off. So she can choose between a replacement phone and a repair. She absolutely does not have to accept um, a repair. She was within her rights to insist on a and a replacement phone, if the technical assessment um, doesn't um, prove some kind of user abuse on her part. But um, this automatically, no, it's past seven days, we, your, your only recourse is a, re- is a repair, is absolute nonsense and a denial of your consumer rights. Um, as I say, Telcom does it, all of them do it. Um, so if the consumer is not sure of their rights, they'll just have the wool pulled over their eyes. Um, so, yeah, I would suggest that she march back there and, and, and um, insist on her rights. Wendy, thank you for helping us all to be able to do that. And I'm going to close with a WhatsApp from Anonymous that echoes what I think many of us feel. I think it's time we give Wendy a bells with ice. Wendy Lola, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and look you. forward to chatting to you again next week. Thanks so much, Pippa. Bye-bye.